Well, hello everyone. Willie here from the ColecoVisions podcast. When I need to take a break from my ColecoVision and podcasting, I like to bust out my Super Nintendo, pop in Knights of the Round, and listen to Soul Blazers, the SNES podcast. It's so freaking Super Nintastic. Stoneblazer Online. I want to welcome you to the second episode of the Super NES Podcast. I have with me tonight uh, my usual co-host, uh, Chad. Hello, how are you? Doing okay. And we are also honored to be joined by a special guest tonight. Um, thank you. It's been a great pleasure that I'm able to introduce uh, Willie of the Vision Podcast and also the Channel F Podcast and also the very popular Arcade USA uh, YouTube show. So thanks. So it's a real honor to have you on here with us tonight, Willie. What's up? Hey, Willie. Hey. So, um, I wanted to have Willie on here partly as a way of thanking him because he's the one who made the awesome logo that we're using for the podcast, and also because he's been a very enthusiastic supporter and cheerleader of uh, the podcast. He's been very helpful with me, um, encouraging me and helping me to get this uh, show started and everything, and I really wanted to have him on here as a way of expressing thanks um, and also help to provide a very seasoned and veteran podcast voice to my newbie one. So, um, <laughs> so you definitely bring a slight, so, so you definitely bring like an air of statue and authority to this podcast and help you class it up some. Awesome. Uh, what you trying to say? <laughs> What's it say about you, Chad? Right. <laughs> well, Chad's awesome, awesome. <laughs> Not as uh, awesome as Willie, though. I admit that. <laughs> So, uh, we are covering tonight one of Lily's favorite all-time games, uh, Knights of the Round, which is a port of a Capcom beat-em-up game that was released originally in the arcades in the United States back in November of 1991. The game did not get a port to the Super NES for some reason until, until April of 1994. And for some reason, it only came out on the Super NES. I don't know why. This is the time period when companies started really porting their games en masse to both the Super NES and Genesis. I'm not sure if Capcom made many Genesis games, though, actually. Uh, Will we like you know that? Uh, they didn't make a whole lot, no. That's probably the reason then why, that this is a Super NES exclusive. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was one other home version of the game that came out, however, and at least, but the CPS Changer 1, which was Capcom's version of the Neo Geo um, arcade board at home, where you could buy various ROMs, uh, such as this one, you know, plug it in to have your kid experience at home. Uh, that version came out in came out in 1995. However, both that version and the arcade version have even the suicide battery in them. So trying to find actual working arcade games these days can be kind of difficult. This is a uh, beat 'em up game, like I said, uh, also commonly known as a hack and slash game. The No Quarter guys, Mike and Carrington, on their great uh, No Quarter podcast, have specifically referred to this type of game in the past as being a fight and go right game. 
And I suppose in some, in some way that's true, but it's sort of like a fun game to go through. Capcom released a whole bunch of uh, hack and slash games during this time period. This was during the whole Street Fighter II, uh, II Renaissance, which helped bring uh, gamers back in mass, like the arcades, and helped, helped really uh, revitalize and dine, you know, dine like arcade scene. It's like, so this game is not in common with other, with other games, such as they had King of Dragons, uh, Magic Sword, and there was also a D&D uh, licensed game that was all about the licensed game that was all very similar to this one. I never played this game uh, back in the arcades back in the day. You know, how about you guys? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I played this no, game a lot in the arcades. No, I, I, I didn't really, I didn't really put my hands on this one in the arcades. I was more into the uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles two and mm. Spider Man. Yeah, back when oh. me and my wife were. Uh, in early in our marriage, one of the things we used to like to do on date nights is go down to a local arcade uh, back in Terre Haute, Indiana. And uh, our main game we liked to play together was Golden Axe. Mm. And then my wife discovered this game, and she likes the Arthurian legend anyway. So yeah. we decided to give it a try, and it pretty much took all our quarters from then on out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I did play this game in MAME uh, quite a bit this week to compare it to Super NES port. Uh, and, it, and man, this is a difficult arcade game. I definitely would have spent some yes. serious money on this back in the day uh, by playing like in arcades. We're going to talk about the, the differences between between the arcade version and the Super NES port later on. But uh, in summary, just to, to summary, this is a very good port play arcade game, I think. Oh, it's an excellent it port. Considering, the, considering uh, the hardware that the arcade version had, the programmers did a really good job in translating the arcade game into the home console on the Super Nintendo. Now, one of the nice things about having this uh, port on the Super Nintendo is it does make use of the great sound chip that's in that Super Nintendo. Yes, definitely. So, as we already mentioned, uh, this game is loosely based like upon the old uh, Legend of Excalibur, like in the Holy Grail. The intro of the game shows Arthur pulling the sword out of the stone, and then being sent on a quest by Merlin to be able to knight the land and to defeat uh, the Tyrant King. I'm not, I'm, not sure, I'm not totally sure if I'm saying his name right. All right, Garbialdi? Garibaldi. Garibaldi. Babylon 5. <laughs> I never watched that show. Sorry, I was a Star Trek fan. Oh, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, in the game, three people were able to play simultaneously. And besides Arthur, you could also play as Lancelot and Percival, uh, two of the more famous knights, uh, like in the legend. Uh, the Super NES portal allows you to play two people at the same time. Each character has their pros and cons. Percival is a strong, slow type, uh, not very agile, but a very powerful attack. Lancelot's the opposite. He's the faster, the swift, swift-moving guy, uh, but it's a weaker attack. Uh, Arthur's a very balanced one. The game has seven stages, so it can last quite a while. You know, either way, the game has your typical elements that you're expected to find in a normal hack and slash game. It's got healing items, loot. You can do you can do a special attack as well as your normal one. Uh, boss at the end of each stage. You can do special attacks and combos. You also get the ability to ride horses, which is a nice touch in the game. One thing I really liked about this game that I thought was very unique compared to many of the other clones that were out there was, was how important blocking was like in the game. Because not only, because not only was blocking important, but being able to uh, get regards to one of certain enemies, you had, you, had to, you had to attack them, you had to let them attack you first, and then block them, and, and, and that allowed you to counterattack. And for some enemies, that, for some enemies that, that was the only way that you could damage them. Um, but you only block for a few seconds before your character got tired and, um, and stopped doing the block. So critical timing of the block is very important to see if you're going to do very well in this game. Oh, yeah, it's very strategic in that way. Um, you had to know how to fight certain characters, and you had to know how to, I don't know, how to get around some of them. Because there were some of them you couldn't just go right on in and, and just wipe out as quickly as possible. Some of them, it, it took time. Yeah, each Every character you come up against, if you watch the animation of the character, they give a tell of when they're getting ready to attack you. You know, for example, like the fat man guy with the big long axe handled thing. Before he attacks, you'll see him rear back for a split second. So you know that's where you need to put up your block. And some of the other characters do something similar like that. Uh, yeah, so that's a very nice touch I thought Capcom, you know, Capcom like, put in this game to kind of make it more important. To be to kind of differentiate this game among all the other common hack and slash games of the time period and to encourage just to attack, attack, attack without any kind of strategic balance to it. It also makes teamwork very important in this game if you're playing with somebody else. Kind of like, you know, having one person defend and letting the other person like attack, for example. Oh, that's the best way to enjoy this game, is multiplayer. If you got two people playing on the Super Nintendo, you can set up a strategy where one character can actually draw the enemies into a certain area of the battle screen 
for the other player to have an easier time to take them out. That's how me and my wife play it. Hmm. Yeah, that's how me and my brother played it when we borrowed this back in the day. Um, like one of us would block and suckle them into trying to hit us, and if they tried to do the same thing, while the other one would go around and flank and hit them from behind. Yep. And that's how we did it. A lot of them, and I mean, if you tried to do it by yourself, it took a little more time. But yes. if you had your teamwork, <clears throat> uh, it was it was so much more fun. In the arcade, my wife and I, we would dominate this game because uh, we had so much practice on Golden Axe working together. When we went to this game, we used our same kind of battle strategies we did from Golden Axe on this one, and we pretty much just dominated the game. Oh, yeah. Uh, these strategies, I think, kind of carry over to a lot of other games that we play today. I have um, I learned a lot about flanking on that game. So <laughs> <laughs> I... I it kind of it, it's kind of carried over throughout the years. So. Oh yes, definitely. I mean, like you know, like one of the games that came to mind actually, you know, the Mass Effect games really encouraged flanking very much and trying to get around your sides to attack the enemies. It's nice to see a game from this time period that actually encourages teamwork and flanking defense so much, mm-hmm. uh, because because like Chad said, a lot of those things do carry over to the games that are being made these days. As we touched upon earlier, the Super NES port of the game is very, very good, considering the fact that the arcade hardware was still more powerful than the Super NES hardware of the time period. During this time period, home machines were starting to get very powerful, but arcade machines were still stronger in horsepower and CPU and graphics uh, compared to the home systems. So all things considered, I thought, all things considered, I thought Capcom did an excellent job like the port of this game. The, there's quite a number of minor there's quite a number of minor differences. Most of them don't really affect the gameplay, however. Um, you know, for example, some of the enemies' names are renamed a little bit. Some of the uh, some of the enemies attack in different patterns. Some of the objects are arranged a little, a little bit differently on the screen. None of them really like you know big big differences. The three major differences I noticed in playing this game, comparing it business to like the arcade version, is that the arcade version like is more difficult. The gameplay of the Super NES version is a little bit more faster. It's more choppy as a result. Uh, certain tactics that certain skills that you can use in the arcade version are not quite as effective on the, on the Super NES version, and some of the graphics are not quite as good. They're still the graphics are still quite detailed. Some of the colors, your know, colors are more washed out. There isn't much detail in the background images and scenery as you go through the game. But uh, Willie, um, you're a really big fan of the game. You probably spent the most time on it. You very like shadow myself. Did you really notice? Any, any of those complications um, or differences in playing the Super NES version? Not really. Uh, I really don't have that much of a critical eye comparing like a arcade version to a home port. My main thing is, how did the gameplay translate? That's where I can notice the most differences. So what do you think about the gameplay, you know, like as a, like as a whole, uh, like all these considered? Like, do you think Capcom did like a very, you know, next to perfect job in pulling it over? Oh, yeah, I think they did a great job in pull, porting it over to the Super Nintendo. It is a little hard getting to try to do some of the moves I did in the arcade because I'm used to playing with an arcade stick instead of a D-pad. So a lot of the moves I did in the arcade, I really can't do on the Super Nintendo just because of how the D-pad is. It did make the uh, the PlayStation 2 version on the uh, Capcom Collections 2. It is the arcade version, and it really does make you want an arcade stick for that console. Um, just because of how the game plays, a lot of the movements and stuff like that, it doesn't really translate well over to the D-pad so much as you really, I don't know, you, you, you find yourself you wishing for a, uh, a stick on it a lot. Well, like one of the things I had the most trouble trying to do was the, the special attacks where you have to do like a double hit yeah. action and then hit your attack button. Using the D-pad, I, I have a hard time coordinating myself to do that because i'm used to doing it with an arcade stick right yeah well i imagine you can use a third party stick if you like this game right oh yeah oh yeah Yeah. they they make uh they make sticks for them um snes has theirs and the playstation 2 has one also so if you and then there are the capcom fight sticks so i mean and those are beautiful those are absolutely beautiful so um Anyway, if you get your hands on one of those, then yeah, you're fine. And, I mean, I was good, but I found myself having problems um, dodging. Yes. Bit, especially yeah. trying to get my, get out of the way of some of the bosses. 
because the bosses, especially on the arcade version, are absolutely relentless. Yes, definitely. I mean, they will swing the hammer, then do a fire attack, then the hammer like three more times faster than a machine gun before you could do anything and you're down. (laughs) <laughs> you can definitely you can definitely imagine yourself shelling out some quarters. Yeah, I think the one boss I have the most trouble with, which is kind of odd, is one of the middle bosses, uh, Boldus, that has yes. the big hammer and he looks he's bald. Yes, he gives that's me the, the most trouble. Oh man, because he'll he'll do his magic attack and yeah. then he'll like three quick attacks with his hammer yep. and you're dead. <laughs> Game over, it's like two hits. <laughs> It's like, man, where's my roll of quarters? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I for one am glad that they tweaked the difficulty level like, a little bit for the Super NES ports because um, because they realized they realized they realized the fact that people buying the game at once as opposed to pumping in quarters really makes a difference as far as difference as far as as far as enjoyable gameplay. So I so like I think they did a good job in tweaking the difficulty level just about the right amount. I think it took me a while. You know, this game is still no pushover. It definitely, it definitely took me a while uh, to be able to get used to uh, the controls, the moves and everything, and how to attack enemies and that kind of stuff. So, Yeah, the SNES version, I think you kind of see where they... Um, I'm not trying to insult them or anything. I'm not. But you, could try, you can kind of see where they kind of dumbed it down a little bit for the more casual player, maybe. Because of the uh, the difficulty is kind of... Kind of slanted down a little bit more than it would be from the arcade, where you know, and of course the arcade they may just made it that hard to get more quarters. I don't know. Bingo! That's, <laughs> that's the whole purpose of making arcade games hard: get more quarters. Get more quarters. That's all it was. Yeah. Now, have you tried playing this game on the highest difficulty on the Super Nintendo? I have not. Yes, it's yes. Yes, I did not last very long by yeah. that level, so... No, it's brutal <laughs> when you crank up the difficulty level. At least they give you the option to continue your game nine times, so... Yes. Yeah, I did it as a kid, and you have to have a second player. Yes. I mean, there's there's absolutely... And you have to have that teamwork going at all times, or you're not going to last long. They made that that they they made that hard the hardest level to where you had to have the second player. Like so, this game is a very unique leveling system that I thought was very very like well done. Uh, again, it's one of the things I thought was very unique and fun like about the game. Uh, leveling in games like this is just very difficult to be able to manage correctly. Capcom took the tack in this game of setting upon um, level based upon the number of points you get. At the end of each stage, you're awarded points. Depending upon how you did, how well you fought, uh, how much damage you took, you took versus inflicted, etc., etc., and you go up levels depending upon your points. And as your character goes in levels, your character appearance also your character appearance also changes or changes on screen. Uh, he'll gain different weapons, or player gain different kinds of armor, or the armor will change color or whatnot. So you can, so once you get good at the game, you can visually tell, okay, uh, he has this, this, and this, so it must be at level ten. Um, and both the arcade and Super NES versions max out to level 16. But but the Super NES game, the maximum level I was usually able to get was about 14. Uh, whereas in the arcade version, I usually maxed out to about level 12. And there's certain tricks you can do in the game to also increase your point total. For example, if you attack a large treasure chest and break it instead of smaller treasure piles, you get more points altogether for getting that pile into the treasure chest. So yeah, things- yeah. That's the key of leveling up uh, fast is to... Uh- do those little extra things that like you just talked about. And it also helps to whenever you have the two players, you can kind of split that up with them. Oh, <laughs> whatever heck. It's like that. Mine. I yeah. Oh, man. Because, I mean, up to that point, the point system, the most you got out of a point system was an extra life. And, I mean, you got 50,000, 100,000, you got lives, whatever. And then this happened, and all of a sudden, you know, me and my brother were playing as we, when we were kids, and all of a sudden, we got an extra piece of armor or something like that. We're like, what happened? You leveled up. Points? Yeah. Oh, uh, it's on now. So, yeah, it was a complete, almost, a, a, literally an arms race on points. Yep. That's one of the things I like about this game, is when you do level up, you see a visual representation on the screen. Kind of like Ultra Beast, as you leveled up that guy, you get more muscular until you turn into the Beast. 
Oh like, yeah, and it's it's so cool though. I think of all the characters that you have to choose from, I think Percival got got the raw deal on his level ups. Did oh, you my notice idiot. he starts off with a nice blonde head of hair, and when you level him up all the way, he becomes bald and bare chested. <laughs> yeah, and loses clothes. He literally loses clothes. He loses like, clothes. Yeah, and I'm like, this is my favorite character. Why are you doing this? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm not playing as Arthur so I can look cooler. <laughs> yeah, Arthur was the one I tended to play the most. Like, he's my favorite character. Yeah, I like Arthur because uh, when you get to the levels with the horses, he's the most powerful on the horse. That's that's where you get a lot of points racked up. You destroy enemies from horseback. Yeah, fighting horseback is fun. I, I really enjoy oh, doing yeah. that. See, I played as Percival because I loved... Percival is my favorite. One, because of the axe. Two, he has his awesome charge attack. Yes. You know, you, you tap the uh, you tap the forward button or whatever like that twice, and all of a sudden you're charging at him, and then you hit your attack button, and he backhands him. Yes. You know what I mean? It is just the coolest effect possible. It was so satisfying whenever I was a kid, and I would do that, and all of a sudden I would charge into a group of enemies and just backhand a lot of them oh man it was uh i'm sorry guys i can get pretty excited about this game <laughs> <laughs> well we want that enthusiasm to show because we want people to play this game so oh, yeah. oh man yeah <laughs> you guys will love this game if you i mean the teamwork is awesome yes and you really have to work together to get through a lot of parts but then you really want to take this guy down by yourself because you really want to level up. I and mean, it's kind of tearing at you. to. <laughs> yeah, things some, about this, Janair. Yeah, I can see some fights happening, like happening with their key version back in the day. Think about that. <laughs> oh, man. There was there were times where me and my brother regretted that there were cores on the controllers. We probably try to choke each other over stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> we loved each other too, but don't mess with my treasure chest. <laughs> oh my gosh! I'm joking, by the way. I would never kill my brother. <laughs> so did things get that competitive? So like you and your wife, Louie, fight over the game? Uh, kind of a little bit. Uh, the game we, games we tend to get the most competitive on is when we play Soul Calibur. Oh, oh right. Yeah. A lot of times, a lot of times we have arguments. We'll go to Soul Calibur to, to uh, resolve them. Oh, that's awesome! <laughs> that's how we fight. Is she like? Uh, is she like you spam that punch one more time? You're sleeping on the couch. Yes. <laughs> Don't you touch that chest? That's my chest. I'm leveling up. Well, I'm faster than you. I'm going to get to the chest first. Right. I'm already here. <laughs> Cut it up into pieces. No, it's wasting it. So it sounds like none of us have really enjoyed like, playing like as a um, uh, Lancelot. Then I guess he always gets the raw deal. Well, Lancelot's okay. He's if you're a beginning player, he'd be the one you want to use because he's very fast. Yes, he, he can get out of the way really quick, and he does have that jumping kick, which is which is pretty pretty handy. He'll take down a lot of enemies pretty quick. You know, which is odd. Uh, whenever I play video games, I usually want to be the smaller, faster character. Um, like when I play, uh, Separation Anxiety, I always want to be Spider-Man and they, somebody else could be Venom because he's slower, but stronger and Spider-Man is faster yet weaker, but, and then, uh, Street Fighter, I always want to be Chun-Li, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, yeah, cause she's always, she's always faster and, you know, I can spam the head stop, but anyway, <laughs> You know, I, I don't know why I play Percival so much. This is one of the rare games that I play the strong character. Well, for a game like this, it encourages, um, you know, like leveling, you know, leveling up system, um, and for the ability to take out your enemies as fast as possible. I think a strong, uh, you know, strong attacks definitely, definitely are very beneficial. So I definitely can see why they, you favor him in a game like this. Yeah, but then it's also hard to get in and out. Again, like with those bosses where you really do need to get in and out. He is kind of more inclined to take a punch, but you know, the uh with that the middle boss like we were talking about. Boldus. There is no yeah, there is no getting out of the way because he's gonna hit you three times before you know what happened. Yes. So um in uh a lot of times 
like when I was a kid, we would, I would go in with, per- with with Percival, and I would sucker them into hitting me, and then my brother would go around with Arthur or Lancelot, and he would just nail the heck out of him as quickly as possible. Uh, so how about you, Louis? If you how what are some of your your favorite tactics? Like? Well, some of my tactics on playing the Super Nintendo version is I'll tend to try to stay at the very top of the screen or at the very bottom of the screen. When you do that, when the character enemy characters come on, they'll try to position themselves to stand off to one side of you, which will allow only one to get in front of you, which you can take care of him and have the next one fall into position and nail him at the same time. If you go out in the middle of the play field, they'll tend to gang up on you and strike you from yeah, you forward get and behind. So that's one of the tactics I use when I'm playing the game. Yeah, I use something like very similar like that. Uh, you know, different. Sometimes also I'll shift attacks around. I'll, I'll attack one guy first and knock him down, uh, and, and then go over and do the same thing to like another guy who's coming up behind me or next to me or whatnot, and then go back to the first guy and like bench him off. At least, you know, at least that way that buys you enough time to be able to, to be able to defeat the enemies by yeah. coming in at you. And like you know, also for <clears throat> the little uh, pig-looking like guys, the uh, I've got what they were called. They look like little pigs in armor almost. When they jump at you, if you hit them while they're flying at you in the air, it does more damage to them. You can take them out quicker. Good point, yes. So let's talk a bit like about the overall game design of the game. Uh, as I said, as I said, the game has seven stages. So like overall, I thought the game was very well designed. All the stages, like all the stages felt uh, very like well balanced. The difficulty level of the game increased very nicely, I thought. There are some very frustrating areas and some frustrating enemies to be sure. And like Chad mentioned, some of the boss fights are downright Hair ripping out, aggravating. Oh. <laughs> oh man! I have no. Yeah, word. my kids will learn some new words when I'm playing that game. <laughs> <laughs> I think they did a really great job with the sound effects. They have a lot of digitized uh, screaming in it, which is neat. yes. Did yeah. you did you ever when you play the Super Nintendo version when you kill Scorn or the Tall Man? Do you did you hear that whoop 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 as he dies? Yes. Yes, that cracks me up every time. <laughs> oh, man. Tall man used to piss me off. Because he, does. he would take he would take his axe and he would he would take you and flip you and then yes. laugh at you and that laugh sounded like a female. And yes. you're like, Are you serious? Did I just get my cook my butt kicked by a girl or a really female man? I'll wait till you get to the level <laughs> where there's two of those guys on the screen at one time and they toss you back and forth. That's what happens yeah. to me every once in a while. Yeah, and they would do that, and then, then they would start laughing at you, and you're like, that is the most annoying laugh ever. Yes, it is. <laughs> it's a great sound effect, too. It is. I think that's why I like Percival so much, is the sound effect whenever I go in, whenever I charge in, and I backhand several people at once. The sound effect of actually hitting people is just, oh, it's so satisfying. Whether or not you're Lancelot or Arthur or, or whatever, yeah, the violence is great. They made a most <laughs> agreeable thump. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, not only the sound effects great, but I also like the you know, I also like the music involved like the game. Uh, it has a very it has a very uh, uh, Western medieval sounding like sounding feel to it. Oh yeah. Um, uh, the tracks are very good. Uh, I don't I don't think the music sounds quite as good in the Super NES port as it does like in the arcade version, but. So, but that sound chip for the Super NES definitely allows some great tunes, and I thought they did a great job according to the music. Well, that's really neat what Capcom did with this was, if you go on the options screen, you can listen to all the different sound effects, or you can cycle through all the different music tracks and hear them all, which is really yes. nice to do. Oh man, I actually found my I actually find myself going to YouTube just to listen to the tracks. I do. <laughs> At one time, I was actually going to put the track of this track of this game on the last podcast just to show you what the music sounded like just because it was so satisfying to get you hyped up for the game but um i'll probably do that for this podcast because oh it's so good you have to listen to it oh yeah i get the whoop 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 in there too (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) it's like oh i just i just killed curly oh my gosh The sound effects. There is a definite, there is a definite um difference between whenever you hit somebody in armor and whenever you hit somebody with just claw. 
That's what's yes. so cool to me. Yes, that's what's it. so cool to me. It really differentiates between the type of material you're hitting. And that's kind of different for a Super Nintendo game, especially the arcade game. That At the time, that blew my mind. Yeah, and not only the sound effects, but I thought the graphics in the game also, she also looked very gorgeous. They may not be as detailed or as brightly colored as, as they were like an arcade version, as I mentioned earlier, but I thought they did a great job with the, like, the background design, uh, like the stages, the, the very stages that you go through in the game, how the towns look, uh, the, the castle, the castle stages, the tournament with all those flags and everything, uh, the detail, uh, the, the detail of like the enemies. Uh, the small touches on your characters, like the upgrade and levels. Very nice touches up to the game. Oh, the graphics are absolutely beautiful. So vibrant. But then you walk into the, t- the tournament area, and you're seeing these dudes with horns, and you're like, why are you just standing around? There are people burning the place down. Yeah. <laughs> but the graphics are beautiful, man. I cannot get past the graphics. There were times I was like, oh, wow, look at that. That's absolutely beautiful because off in the background, you can see like your enemies and your other knights fighting. And you're like, man, I got to get over there and help that guy. I'm sorry, Willie. I talked too much. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. So, uh, yeah, uh, graphically, I think the game compares, you, you compares very well, like the, the, very well with like the Super NES games, uh, like the time period. Because, like I said, this game came out about two years after the arcade version came out, in, like 1994. And the Super NES very, very much peak in that year, I think, of some of the games that come out of the years, so, you know, such as the Donkey Kong Country. Um, so graphically, the game may not be up to that, that standard. But all in all, I, I thought they did a great job at pulling over and keeping and keeping intact all the small touches to the detail that makes you feel like you're actually fighting in like a medieval Britain fantasy setting uh, that the game, that the game's name and characters is trying to conjure up for you. Now this is this game is the whole reason why we picked up the Super Nintendo back in 1994. Really? Just yeah. this one game? Yeah, when this game came out, me and my wife saw it at Toys R Us, and uh, we bought it. We bought a Super Nintendo that day. Oh, nice. Wow, that's amazing. So this is the first game I bought for the system. <laughs> I don't blame you. You know what's really funny, though? When we were kids, I uh, I had borrowed this from a friend down the street. You know how it is. You don't really own a whole lot of games, but your neighbors have different games, so you trade back and forth, and it seems like you have more than what you do. I had borrowed this from him, and we played the absolute crap out of it. And then I had to give it back, and then I forgot the name of it, and we moved off, and I never did remember the name of it. And there were times I would look at games, and I would be like, oh my gosh, is this the name of it? Because I remember standing in front of EB Games going through the metal bin, like in Game Exchange back before that was cool, and I would just be looking through it, and I would see something pertaining to medieval times. You're like, that's got to be it. But do I want to take that chance? Because it'd just be loose. There would be no graphics on it or anything. And I never did remember the name of it until like mid-2000s. And I was like, oh my gosh, is that the name of it? So then, by then, it was already jacking up in price. Yeah, this I don't is an know. expensive game to try to get a hold of, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so we already mentioned it a little bit, but I'm kind of curious to hear from you guys what your favorite enemy like in the game is. Uh, for me, like I really like enjoy the Fat Man because of his attacks and just how he, just how he looks on screen. Favorite enemy or, or favorite boss? Uh, both. Well, yeah, we can do both. Well, my favorite enemy to fight is probably the Phantom. Oh yeah, because I, I like how he throws the knives at you and he makes duplicates of himself. So you got you know a little bit more challenge there. Oh, I hate that guy. And I think my favorite boss is the Iron Golem. Oh, he's the guy you have to like break apart in pieces, isn't it? Yes, I like. Ah, uh, yes, that's the one that was controlled by the Phantom. Yeah, yeah. Like, how about you, Chad? I I think mine is probably the Fat Man, mm-hmm. but um, I also love the effect of the archers on the arcade. I uh, and uh, having to deal with them. No, they wasn't. They didn't have any archers in that. Never mind. That was King of Dragons. I'm gonna edit that out. Sorry, guys. Batman. <laughs> uh, Batman is it, man. And then, uh, and then uh, the Barbarian. Oh, he was so cool. Yeah, with the curved sword. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh my gosh, he was so cool. And I was like, "Where's his video game? He is. A, he is a cool guy. I want to play him." But um, he he made you want to play his own game. Just the static view and all that. The enemies were awesome. Oh, they and the bosses just look so cool. Yeah, I, I would probably say the Fat Man and the Barbarian. Yeah, a lot of the enemies for this game seem like they were taken from Final Fight and just simply given like an update. Yeah. Yeah. I think Capcom did a lot of that with their games. Um, they were all pretty similar from game to game. But, you know, I didn't care. You it and sell it. There we go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I, I think you can pretty much take um you can pretty much take this game and king of dragons and really get them confused i'm actually going to leave that in so y'all can see how easy it is to get it confused but <laughs> king of dragons it, is very similar yeah they are um just more levels i yeah. mean if you want to go on further than this because it is kind of a short game you can go play king of dragons and pretty much almost continue the story actually but or talk yourself into it anyway. Just because of the copy-paste enemies and, and that kind of thing. But, oh man, I mean, you know, it's a beautiful game. But this game right here, uh, I really wish there were more levels. Just because of the music and the gameplay. And it was just so satisfying that when I actually beat it, I was like, oh man, there aren't, <laughs> there's no more? <laughs> I want more. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually disappointed when I beat it. I mean, it was a really cool effect and all that, but and I mean, it, they really did a good job on the on the the end part of it. But I was kind of like, oh come on, that was it. But anyway, that was just me. So let's wrap up the gameplay discussion by asking like one question like you two. Uh, well, we already mentioned one of his tactics earlier, but um, a lot of people, a lot of people out there probably listening to this podcast have not have not played this game or have not played the Super NES version of it. Um, can you give some? Can you guys think of some additional uh, hints and tips and advice for beginners who are trying to get their feet wet with this game, like so they don't get frustrated with the game? Well, I would say if you're trying the game for the first time. Probably play with Lancelot so you get around the screen a lot faster and learn how to block. Because once you learn how to block, when an enemy attacks you, you briefly have a short amount of time where you're invincible, that you can retaliate and attack the guy, your, your enemy. And then if you want to you know, level up fast, try to chop up the, the treasure chests when you see them to get more points. That'll get you to level up even faster. And like with what was mentioned earlier, Stay on the horse as long as possible. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the, the horse, it's it's actually not that bad to control. Uh, it can get a little frustrating, but when you attack in complete attacks on the horse, you do get more points. Also, try not to take enemies in groups. Try to split them up, kind of divide and conquer, because if you try to take enemies in a group, they're going to take you down uh, pretty right. quickly. You can get the problem is the first couple of levels they're kind of they're kind of easy and you get overconfident and you get cocky about it and then you're gonna get your butt kicked for the rest of the game because it does take some learning after that and you you think you're stronger than than what you are and all of a sudden you're facing enemies that can take you down in about two or three hits right definitely uh, let me also add a couple of pieces of advice. Um, you know, like the game, like chat, chat on, chat on to what you guys said. Uh, the controls for the game can be a little bit complicated at first, uh, so definitely look at the manual, learn like what button does, like what combination, and whatnot. And there's some combinations that are not revealed directly, like in the manual. I'm going to mention in the show notes uh, when I'm going to post the podcast. There was an Atari Age uh, user uh, by, by the username of SMCCD who posted a very very in-depth analysis breakthrough of the game. Uh, there's some things from the game that I borrowed from this page that I've indebted to him uh, for posting. He posted a very deep analysis, both comparing the arcade and Super NES versions. And he mentions on the page some combinations that are not mentioned in the Super NES manual that are very helpful to help to do like of the game. So I will give a link to that uh, soon when I post the podcast. 
I also remap the controller as you do in the game uh, to make some combinations and put a button, button pushes pushes a bit easier. Uh, there's also no shame, I think, in starting out on the easy difficulty level. Even if, they, even if the difficulty level was turned down compared to the arcade version, this is still a pretty difficult game to pick up and play the first time. And if you're having a particularly hard time with a stage or, or a certain boss, if you're playing an emulation, there's no shame in using save states. Just just make one before you try it, try it over and over again, and get the hang of it, and then I go on. It certainly will allow you to be able to get the get the hang of the game faster, and and allow you to be able to experience the more the, the more later stages, uh, and be able to find out if your tactics that you're using are working. Because there's nothing because there's nothing, there's nothing worse than trying to do an ineffective way of getting to the first few stages that will work. But then when you're in the later stages, you find that tactics no longer are effective because the enemy is stronger or coming at you a, a different way. So. But all in all, uh, this game is definitely one of the more challenging hack-and-slash games that were released in this time period, I think. Yes, it is. The thing is, this is also the era where game manufacturers were not afraid to challenge the player. And this is not... If you're a newer, I hate to say retro gamer, older older <laughs> console gamer, this, uh, please stay with it. Stay patient. Because um, there is a reason the phrase NES hard exists. So um, <laughs> uh, just stay with it and stay patient. Learn the attacks because this game, that's what you have to do. You can't just run in um, hack and slash because eventually you're going to run into somebody you can't do that with. And also try to find somebody to play with. I know it's an odd concept having a person in the same room, but <laughs> yeah, um, get that person to play with you, and I guarantee you it's a whole other experience having somebody to play with, and you you can you can really make use of those tactics. Yes, definitely, absolutely. So we mentioned earlier the fact that this game can be somewhat expensive. Unfortunately, that's true with a lot of Super NES games. I did a search on eBay a euro today, and the good news is that this game is not as bad as Soul Blazer is as far as pricing goes. If all you want is a loose copy, um, and it's also a somewhat common game to find to find on eBay. Uh, there are 81 copies of this game that sold recently, 18 copies currently listed. You can get a loose price, uh, a loose copy of the game, not that bad as far as Super NES games go. Uh, I, I found sold copies of the game of the game itself, just the cart, ranging from 76. $20, but I also but I also found a copy that sold for an amazing eight bucks. Somebody got a real bargain on that one, that's all I can say. Um, <laughs> but it, now, however, if you want a CIB copy, that's when you open up the checkbook, because the prices of those range from $100 to $200. Oh, yeah. Oh, easy. And that's cheap for a Super Nintendo CIB copy. Yep. So, okay. yeah, depending on the price, if it's gonna be eighty dollars for a loose copy, if you see one for a hundred for a CIV, just get the CIV. I mean, honestly. And then, as I mentioned on the last um on the last podcast, make friends with other collectors, make friends with other people, get that trade bait out there, and you might find a copy a lot cheaper than what you might think. Absolutely, uh, Willie's the master of doing that, aren't you? Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, Chad, I believe you have some feedback for us about the game. Uh, what do people out there like think about the game? They hate it. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. Okay, go ahead. All right. Uh, Euro, I'm sorry, guys. If I butcher your name, please, I'm sorry. All hate <laughs> said to you. Chad, this sucks. <laughs> right. <laughs> If it makes you any, if it makes any difference, my my real name is Chadwick, and people like to make Wick my middle name. Anyway, Euro Curie, I'm sorry, man. I remember playing the arcade version of this as well as the SNES version. Totally awesome game. Sean Haywood says I love this game. The aesthetic upgrades as you level up, music and enemies were spot on. Only complaint is that it was too short. I agree, my friend. I agree. Paul Stevenson. Do we know that guy? Says, uh, this is a great brawler. A friend of mine got it a little while after it came out. We spent a ton on it in the arcade at, at the time, too, so when he got the cart, we saved a bunch of quarters. If you don't want to drop nearly $60 on a cart, 
I recommend playing it on the Capcom 2 collection that also has Magic Sword on it and some other awesome games. Thank you, buddy. Bill McCafferty says, I absolutely loved this game. Jonathan Pitts says, uh, I bought King Arthur's World thinking the, the other day thinking it was this game. $20 wasted. <laughs> Jonathan, don't feel bad. I've done the same thing because I have, oh, I have done that as a kid thinking it was that. And as I said, I never remember the name of the game until later on. So, yeah, buddy, it's okay. Lazaro Martinez says, never played it. Looks interesting. It's very interesting, buddy. You got to play it. Perry K, best memory, getting it for the PSP for six bucks. Yes. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Capcom's hit compilation. Don't get cocky, buddy. <laughs> Brandon Madrigal. In my opinion, the SNES version of the Knights of the Round had better sounding music compared to the arcade version. John Phillips says, nice game. The convo of what's better, this game or Golden Axe is always a short one. I always dug them both, though. And Matt D says, great game. I'm sorry, buddy. I know you said something else, but I can't say that on here. (laughs) (laughs) You can believe (laughs) it. (laughs) <laughs> bad beat game <laughs> Benigno, Benigno Hooker says I could never find this game for the love of me uh, it's out there buddy you just gotta kinda look for it Paul Vitali was says was playing that with my brother Robert about a month ago great game Steven Whistler Jr. says I kinda wanna hear the story I got mixed up with Capcom's D&D arcade game yeah, like I said, man, it's easy to get these games confused. Uh, it was almost kind of copy and paste. There are some differences, but still, play this game if you get the chance. Bill Susniski, I'm sorry, man. You know I like you. I gave <laughs> up trying to find certain games on certain consoles. I found I had this on one of the compilation discs from Copcom for PS2. Just awesome. Yeah, I, I did the same thing, bud. Jared Kinter says, I happened to have this game as a kid. I loved playing it in the arcade and enjoyed the console port as well. The RPG element helped make this a great game. Tony Rose says, the arcade version was the beep. Sorry, guys. I haven't played it on SNES. I need to get a copy. Jeffrey Back, cool game. Can't get under a million, though. Yeah, it is expensive, but... Keep looking, you'll you'll find it. Uh, you know, kind of search it out. Philip Bond, uh, he's a he's a great guy. He's a great supporter. Um, been friends with him for a while. Philip Vaughn says played it in the arcade when I first moved with kids I didn't know. Went to school and turned out they were in my classes. Became instant friends. Oh, that's awesome. awesome. Yeah, yeah, right. That's great. Bridging, bridging through game. Asher L. Turnaround, love this game. So, anyway, thanks guys so much for commenting. Wow, that's like double the feedback that we got from Snowblazer last week. <laughs> I know! I know, I think this is one of those games um, that just, ah, uh, yeah, I, I think a lot of people played this as kids. Um, and it was, a, it was pretty much, I think it was pretty premier arcade game. Like I said, I was pretty much more into the arcade scene, I mean Marvel scene, so, you know. Well, since so many people out there seem to enjoy this game, um, it seems like a very good time to announce to announce a contest that we're going to have that connection to this game. From now until January 3rd, so actually, let me change that. From now until January 10th, you have three weeks to play the game on the Super NES. You can play either um, the actual cart version or through emulation, and to send uh, myself or Chad um, a screenshot of like, your high score when you finish the game. And you know, the person with the highest score will receive um, two prizes. They'll receive a choice of a Steam game. Uh, I have a selection of games that you, selection of games that you pick from. And they also receive a bonus secret Super NES related item that I'm not going to reveal at this time. Ooh. So, ooh. Um, so I do ask you to please use the Super NES version because the arcade version does have some slight differences as far as points and the point system goes. 
Uh, you can send those screenshots either to me directly through email at the Super NES Podcast at Yahoo.com, or you can post them on Facebook either to the Super NES page or to Chad's um, Retro Junkies page. Um, or you can also find you can go find me on Atari Age under the under the username Soul Blazer and put your pictures to me that way. Uh, good luck to everybody out there who enters the contest. Chad, unfortunately, because you're a fellow co-host of me, I'm afraid that makes you like you know, you know, like ineligible. But uh, you know, but I can't win Man. either. So, so, but I can't win either. Like, so don't feel bad. But I resign until next week. <laughs> but since Willie is not a, a regular host of the show, uh, he is eligible to enter the contest. Awesome. Oh, so, uh, emulation acceptable, guys. It's okay. Play the SNES version on emulation, but it does have to be the SNES version. Exactly. Yes. Um, I look forward to receiving your to receiving your pictures, and good luck everybody out there. If this if, if this contest goes well, you know I would definitely want to do like future contests doing later games. Let us sum up this game in some final thoughts here, guys. Um, Chad, why don't you go first? Tell everybody out there overall your, your overall your clip note uh, summary of the game, and you know, and what you think about it, and how it compares to other games of its type. I actually really love this game. the uh, The sound effects, the hitting, and all that it is so satisfying. Um, my favorite character was Percival, as I've said before, and it really is satisfying to wade into a group of enemies. As dumb as that is, please don't do that. <laughs> it, it uh it really is satisfying to try to knock down as many of them as you can but um the music is fantastic love the graphics my main downfall of this is that it's too short it's only seven stages as long as they are uh when you actually beat the game you're kind of sitting there waiting for more but um that just attests to how fun the game is, that you really don't want to stop playing it. Um, please, if you get the chance, please pick this game up. So, so how do you think it compares to other, like, you know, hack and slash games uh, that came out, that came out of the system uh, during this time period? It's up there. Um, it's just as good as any of the hack and slash. Um, it's really fantastic as compared to King of Dragons. It's great as compared to any of the others like uh, Magic Sword or any of that. The thing that sets this apart is the cooperative mode. That's really where this game shines, is whenever you're playing two-player and you can use, and you can uh, maximize your tactics. Okay. Uh, Willie, we know how much you love this game. Uh, why don't you make a hard sell like the rest of us out there? Or else could you go play a game where you play an Arthurian knight in the quest for the Golden Chalice? <laughs> no, if you really like, if you're if you're a big fan of hack and slash games, if you like Golden Axe or or some of the other ones, uh, this game you would really enjoy. Uh, like I said, it it took a lot of quarters from my wife and I at the arcade and. When it finally did come out for the Super Nintendo, it's why we bought ours, and we just played the living daylights out of it. It is a very fun game to play, so highly recommend it. Well, I really like the game a lot, too, but honestly, um, I think I probably enjoyed the game the least compared to like you two guys. Um, I do like the game a lot, don't get me wrong, and I think the game has some very unique elements to it. The cooperative play of Living like we mentioned, is... Like it's very important and fun. Uh, it adds a whole new element to the game. The leveling system, I thought, is very well done. And it's a very unique game as far as the Arthurian legend uh, and all that uh, related material in the characters. But um, I just think Konami made better hack-and-slash games for the system. When I, when I compare this game to games like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 4, Turtles in mm. Time, or like, like Batman Returns, I just find most games like to be more enjoyable. Um, I think this game suffers a little bit from being uh, repetitive as you go through the stages, and it can be a little bit uh, average sometimes with some of the attacks, uh, attacks and everything that you can do. Uh, having said that, uh, I do think this game's fun. You know, I do like playing it. It's, it's just not my go-to game as far as the hack and slash game goes. But if you're a fan of the genre, you know, like Chad said, I definitely encourage you to go out there and check the game out at least through emulation. Uh, like I do think, I do think for all its faults, it does have some very like unique. Uh, abilities to it, and it does have a certain charm to it. Give it a rating. Absolutely. One, one, out of, one, one to ten. 
One being uh, ten being <laughs> great. Um, I'd give it a seven. Chad, uh, I would. I'll give it a. Can I go to eight and a half? Can we go halves? No, no halves. <laughs> yeah, we'll eight. <laughs> don't do fractions, man. What? Come on. I'll go eight. I love this game. Uh, the only reason it's not higher is because it is, in my opinion, too short. I would go with eight also for the same reason. It's a little too short. You do find yourself wanting more when the game ends. Yeah, I I found myself, as I was going, I wanted to see what other form he would take. I wanted to see the more armor. I wanted to see what other bosses were coming, and the bosses are absolutely unique. They're beautiful, and I wanted to see what else the game had. And when it finally ended, I was just, I don't know. Of course, it does tease you at the very end when you're going through the end credits and it's showing the little animation talking about, you know, you got the chalice and all this other good stuff. For a brief for a brief time, there it actually says, take the chalice. We have to click your button to make him walk forward and take the chalice. I'm like, oh, yeah. cool. We can do something more now. No, nope, I'm just going to go up there and take the chalice. That's it. <laughs> oh, yeah. thank you. I was waiting for somebody to come in and attack the group and take the chalice. Yeah. I was like, what the heck? I thought it was like some evil witch going to take the thing. No. Oh. You actually got the thing. You almost have to wonder if Capcom was planning a sequel to this game, which would never happen there for various reasons. That would have been cool. You know, I think that's why they did King of Dragons, because of that very thought. And King of Dragons is much longer. And, you know, you have more characters. Uh, and they have the same attributes, and I can honestly see why they went on to do that game. A lot of times, it seems like it's kind of the unofficial sequel. <laughs> but, yeah, that's just me. Like, so, uh, that wraps up our game discussion on next the round. Um, I want to thank you very much for this podcast, and for your continued support, uh, like the podcast. Like you know, like we said, uh, Knights of the Round is a very fun hack and slash game. It's a very good port to the arcade version. If you enjoy hack and slash games at all, um, without having to with the torture of having to pump in quarter after quarter after quarter to play one, uh, I definitely encourage you to check this game out. Um, oh, what's so funny? <laughs> <laughs> He's just so happy to play the quarter game. After quarter after quarter. <laughs> well, it's true. <laughs> You were good, so you got to a boss, and all of a sudden, you got to roll the quarters. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so the home version does do a very good job of having to take away the difficulty, uh, at least. So, um, Willie, I want to thank you again very much for being on the podcast with us. It was a great pleasure to have you on here. Next week, uh, Chad's going to be busy with family commitments because Christmas and everything. So I'm going to be recording a, a special podcast in Super NES. I'm not sure exactly what I'm going to be uh, talking about yet. I've had some suggestions. Uh, I possibly, I possibly may do a podcast on some of the accessories that came up with the computer, uh, came up with the system, some of the good and bad stuff. Or I may be talking about some of the underrated games, the games that you pick up for cheap, uh, like an eBay, cheap being for like, you know, 20 bucks. Or I may talk about, talk about some of my own personal favorite games in the system. So I'm not quite sure what, what I'm going to be covering yet, but I will be, uh, here next week with a podcast because unfortunately, unlike a lot of other podcasters out there, I'm single and don't have anywhere to go for the holidays. Oh, so. oh you can go to Arkansas, dude. Oh, man. Wear shoes and everything. Got indoor plumbing. <laughs> oh, man, I like going to the outhouse, man. I like going to check in the middle of the night and then forget the toilet paper. Oh, so many fun times. Yeah, oh, like, dude. Um, Greg's um, a Yankee, man. You don't know. Yes, I am. <laughs> hey, I love New England. I love being up here. Right. So. So you can find the podcast on iTunes, on Stitcher. Uh, the main website is on Podomatic, uh, which is located under the Super NES Podomatic.com. Uh, you can also find us on Atari Age, uh, well, me at least, like an like username is Soul Blazer. And I definitely want to hear feedback, comments, encouragement uh, on the podcast. Uh, we got a lot of great, great feedback for, from last week's episode on Soul Blazer. So thank you very much for those people who did some feedback. And I look forward to, to talking to you guys again soon. Uh, when we do our next regular podcast with Chad in hopefully two weeks, we're going to be covering a game that I'm not going to mention just yet, but it, but it's going to be a game that's a favorite of Chad's. So, um, awesome. so, yeah. so <laughs> you, you probably know which game I'm talking about already. So, so look on the Facebook page for upcoming hints uh, as to what the, to, 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 to what that game's going to be. 
So, uh, Chad, it was great. It was great doing this again with you again. Uh, Willie, thank you very much for being for being on with us. Uh, I de- you know I definitely hope we can do this again sometime soon. Oh yeah, you got to cover uh, Mr. Do eventually. Oh yes. So we'll get to that game eventually. So uh, because I do happen to like that super NES version of the game, it's very very fun, very underrated. So mm-hmm. I definitely want to cover that sometime. Uh, in the next couple of days to come, I will be hopefully coming up with the community page. So anyway. Yeah, thank you again very much uh, to all of you out there. Uh, keep the sport coming and keep playing Super NES. Yeah. Go have a good night. Nintendo controls 80% of the video market. But no matter how you play the game or which game you play, things definitely have come a long way since Pac-Man. Now you're playing with power. Deep power.